Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine's like literally just like a sliver past five seconds as well, so. Oh, so hey, we are perfectly in sync then. What, what more could we ask for? Back streets, back. All right. You stole my joke. <laughs> <laughs> That's a way to start the episode. It is. It is. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome or welcome back to BNB Anime. I don't know if you're going to hear that joke. It may be nope, left they're going to hear every bit of it. That's not getting cut out. Okay, cool. <laughs> Stealing my material right off the bat. Hi, I'm Brad. That's Blue. <laughs> yeah. Payback. <laughs> Payback. You stole my intro, but that's fine. Yeah, now we're uh, even. It's too. fine. Yeah, we're, we're even again. Why not? Yeah. Today we're going to be discussing Haikyuu Season 2, and possibly we're probably going to get into more, considering both of us have watched more than that, but... Yeah, Mainly. we need to we need to at least cover three just because it's the same damn tournament. Yes, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, the idea was to focus on season two, but then we both watched season two, and then we watched season three, and then I watched season four. I'm almost halfway done with season four. Yeah. It's a problem. <laughs> so it's safe to say that. Um, I got Brad hooked on Haikyuu, and I am back yeah. hooked on it. Yeah, it's it's definitely a problem. At least in my case, I'm not so hooked that I neglected my weekly anime watching duties. Yeah, I am, and I did. Ah, uh, it's fine. I can't <laughs> I can't give you too much shit, except for little Amelia. Oh my god, re-zero <laughs> this week, man. Yeah, you sent me that picture of her, she looks so freaking cute with a pudgy little face. And her, like, she's so snippy. Mm-hmm. Like, so adorable. I, little Amelia is much better than Big Amelia, hands down. So now we just have to get that personality back. Yes. Okay, question. Okay. Baby Nezuko, little Amelia. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a question that's allowed to be asked because they're both adorable in their own right. Nezuko is just little and adorable and says nothing, but it's just absolutely adorable. Whereas little Amelia is just so quick witted and snippy and everything that you would expect a child to be. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know. That's such a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, let us know what you guys think about home. Uh, ReZero, Demon Slayer, who, who is your favorite chibi? Yeah, if you if you are up to date with ReZero, then let us let us know because I guess it more depends on what you're looking for out of a character. For pure adorableness, Nezuko has to take it, mm-hmm. but off of sheer personality, Amelia, hands down. Good to know. Good to know. Which sounds so weird considering you've Amelia been... in the show is just very two dimensional to an yeah. extent. Yeah, you've been um, team. Oh my god, I've forgotten. I I've forgotten her name. Rim. Yes, thank you. That's not a- that joke is not okay. <laughs> My grain brain. You've been Team Rem from, like, the get-go, pretty much. Yes, but that- Blue, that joke is not okay. I'm we sorry. don't forget who Rem is. We don't forget. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I will- you know, it's migraine brain. It's okay. It's I'll migraine forgive it brain. just this once. Yeah. So, yeah, but, for those of you guys at home that don't know, we were actually supposed to record yesterday, but I came down with a pretty- dang bad migraine 
and um, I'm still feeling the effects of it today. It's in the back of my neck, you know, and it's gone all up the side Ooh. of my head. Mm, it's not a fun... Ow, it just hit my elbow. Again, with the elbow. <laughs> oh, God. This is why I can't have an L-shaped desk, because then I'm facing one side of it, and then I have the other side of it to hit my elbow on. But you see, I have an L-shaped desk, and it's perfect, because since my recording booth is in the corner, I can just perfectly prop up on both ends, and it's so nice. Mm-hmm. It's so useful. I just damage my elbows. Yeah, that's that's understandable. You know what the bad part is about what I'm looking at getting with the electric desks? What? Is I'm looking at getting two of them, so I can keep the L shape. Mm-hmm. But then have the height change. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting to see how I'm gonna pull that off. Yeah, I've never seen a L shaped like. What do they call elevator desks? What are those? I mean, they're just a standing desk. Standing is all desk. they are. That's the word that I was looking for. But yeah, they don't exist, so I'm making my own. I'm just buying two, which is mm-hmm. really expensive and I don't recommend. Mm-hmm. But I can't I can't give up the L shape because there's just so much room. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna do that and then just try to figure out how to make it work. Yeah, we need more more innovation in standing desks. Yes, give me an L shape. Even if it's expensive, yeah, I don't care. I don't, I don't think I've ever even seen like a, <clears throat> a corner desk for a standing desk. Like they're always just like regular rectangle desks. Yeah, they're all just a standard desk, mm. I guess, is the only way I know how to put it. Like there's no whatever. The, there's no ornateness yeah. to it. The most ornate it gets is you can get a real hardwood desktop. That's mm-hmm. it. Come on, designers and engineers and all that jazz. Let's make some fancy desks. I I could have been an engineer. <laughs> you know what that sounded like? I could have mm-hmm. been a contender. What's that from? Is that Rocky? I could have been a contender. Maybe. I think that's Rocky. I was just making an old school Markiplier reference, but now that you say that, that sounds familiar and I can't place it. Why do I feel like... I'm going to Google it. I'm going to Google this quote because I feel like it's a famous quote and I feel like it's from Rocky. From on Raging the wa- Bull. On the waterfront. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. Oh, it was the same guy that was in The Godfather. That's why I related it to Rocky because I the Rocky and The Godfather are in the same folder in my brain. <laughs> I don't know why they would be. In the same I, I don't know folder. why either, but they're they're sharing a file in that filing cabinet. Uh, you know what? It's fine. Everything is fine. Sometimes my ADHD makes some odd connections, and that's one of them. Eh, you know what? It's it's okay. I can see it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what have so, you, what have you we... been up to this week? Uh. Tennis, because the weather was actually nice enough to go play tennis one day this week. So that was that was nice. I didn't lose as much as I thought I had lost in my really long break. But at the same time, I got mad enough to throw my racket. So, you know, it's one of those things. You get thrown out of a match for that. I think Roger Federer did that and like broke his racket and ended up getting like booted out because tennis is a gentleman's sport. Ah, oh, yes, we decide our duels by throwing gloves at one another. I shall bite my thumb at you. <laughs> Funnily enough that we, or that you bring up Fetter, because I'm looking at getting his racket come the spring. Because I got to demo it back during the fall, and I really like the weight of it. Mm-hmm. Because the tennis racket I'm using now is 310 grams. Mm-hmm. And his version of the racket is 340 unstrung. So by the time it's strung, it's probably closer to about 350, 355. Mm-hmm. 
And I just really like the weight on that. Now, granted, it feels like a club, but my serve with that racket is just spot on. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get one of those because it's a it's a really nice racket. Nice. I was gonna go snowboarding this week, but that didn't happen. But I went snowboarding last week, so that's okay. I mean, hey, it's Canada, so you've got plenty of time to snowboard. Yeah. Yeah. You've got like seven got... months worth to snowboard out of the <laughs> <Seven> year. <laughs> yeah. Let me think. Uh, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, April, May time. I feel like the close. I don't know. Depends on where you go, because in like in Alberta, it's different than in BC, because BC has like more of the Rockies, mm-hmm. and so they can go longer because they get more snow. I don't know. I don't know how Canada works. I don't really know how Canada works either. Such a such a cold country. It's been really warm this winter, though. Like we haven't had our minus forty spike, and that's really really bizarre. Hmm. Then again, we've had a very mild winter as well. Yeah. Granted, it's been cold, but it hasn't been, like, bone-chilling cold during the day. Anyway, at night, it's been cold as shit, but yeah. during the day, it hasn't been it hasn't been too awful bad. Mm. But what about you? How's your week been? What have you gotten up to? Uh, I bought some watercolor paints. Ooh. Yeah, I haven't done watercolor since high school, so uh, that was fun. But watercolor was the first kind of painting that I ever did. I feel like it's kind of all kids' first, like, experience with painting because you get like Mm -hmm. those really cheap palettes from like Crayola and work with those I don't know Mm -hmm. and so yeah I had a go at that and I'm not where I want to be with it but I'm also not as bad as I was thinking I might be so that's good Mm -hmm. I'm excited to learn and practice and get better at watercolor um what else did I do? Which on oh, that have... note, you've actually posted some more art update thingies I on have. Instagram for the first time in ages. For the first time in ages, yeah. I've been building an art portfolio, and uh, while doing that, I discovered um, some old stuff that I never posted, and I just like got more into art, because you know my wrist has been playing up a lot recently, but mm-hmm. um, I have kind of like come to the... Con- like the Whilst I, I couldn't do art because I was had my wrist braced and everything like that. I was like babying it to try and see if it would heal because of the cartilage damage. But now that we can pretty much determine that it isn't cartilage damage and it's not going to heal from rest and it's most likely a bone issue and the only real fix to that is surgery, it means that like me working on my art isn't a detriment to my wrist, right? It doesn't it doesn't change anything. So Uh, I have Mm -hmm. been getting back into it as well and doing sketches and not like worrying so much about resting it because it doesn't change anything whether I rest it or not. So might as well just keep using it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, so I did that rose sketch that I posted and then I found an old rose painting that I'd actually done on stream over the summer and uh, posted that one as well because they were two roses and I thought a comparison to them. And I prefer the shape of the sketch that I did, but I like the color palette of the painting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway, posted some stuff. Yeah, they're both phenomenal. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> and what else? What else did I do? Um... Oh, I spoke to some old friends for the first time in a while. That was nice. And... Yeah, I don't know, it just worked. Worked, really. I mean, hey, sounds sounds about like my life. I feel like I do nothing but work right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And then Haikyuu. Haikyuu has fucking oh my consumed God, yeah, my took, life. That took up so much time. But it was good time, you know? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, for as about as good of a time as one could have, season four has been a little bit of a chore. Yeah, season four is interesting because season four was made, obviously, during the time when the pandemic kind of hit really bad. And so I believe it's episode 15 was actually outsourced to a different animation company. And and season four has a different animation style anyway, because season three was the cutoff of the first director before season four. And then episode 15 has a very different animation style to the rest of the series season. And you're still kind of like adjusting to the new animation style anyway, especially if you binged it. I think it would be easier if like there was a gap between season three and season four and you wouldn't notice. There is actually a three and a half year gap between season three and season four Mm because season four started coming out last year. Yeah. Whereas season three ended in December of 2016. Mm -hmm. So for people that watch them like season three and then wait and then watch season four, um, I don't feel like you... Which is what I did, except I never watched season four. But I had gotten mm-hmm. to season three, finished season three, and then never watched season four because I was like, oh, I'll get to it. You know me. I don't watch stuff week to week. Yeah. Oh, how well I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm really glad I watched it. Yeah, really glad I watched it now. But it, when you, because I went back and watched the first three seasons, going into season four, it was kind of like jarring with for the mm-hmm. animation change. And then episode 15 was even more jarring on top of that. Yeah. But it it's... goes back after it into episode 16. Mm-hmm. One thing I will say is that because the director formerly worked for Chibli, you can see a little bit of that simplistic style in the character design and everything else around them. And not that it's a bad thing mm-hmm. by any means, because they still keep the essence of the characters. It's just a little jarring mm-hmm. to see the difference. However, they got rid of the line shading. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Because that has been my biggest pet peeve throughout the whole show. Mm-hmm. But they got rid of it, so I'm content with life. Yeah, I I don't know whether I prefer the original art or the new art. I like them both. Season four obviously took a lot of- I think I prefer the original. You prefer the original? I, I think- because the facial expressions were the, one of the first things that drew me to the anime, first of all, like, that just hits my humor. Mm-hmm. I have a special, like- hold over those first three seasons in the animation style because that just really hit my sense of humor mm-hmm. but um when i was watching season four and like towards the end of season four i like the new animation style had really grown on me mm-hmm. i think especially going back from episode 16 you see it in comparison to the outsourced animation and it looks so much better and i i feel like maybe it kind of like flips you because you look at something that's very different and then you look back at that and you go oh i really like this now i know why i like this because you saw something that you didn't necessarily or i didn't necessarily like you know well i'll have a opinion on that next week Mm -hmm. by the time i actually get season four finished because blue told me immediately after she watched episode 15 that Mm -hmm. it was bad so yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It is. I mean, obviously, that's just my personal opinion on it. I feel like the reason why I found it so jarring is because to me, it kind of reads more as like <laughs> moving manga as opposed to anime. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like in manga, drawing styles tend to be so much more extreme and then they soften them for anime because it makes it more palatable to a wider audience, right? Yeah. So they'll like take like hints of the original art style, but it's kind of rare that you'll see a manga that has been directly like transcribed image-wise mm-hmm. into anime because they try and soften it and make it more 
like marketable, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas episode 15, if I'm getting the episode number right, I hope I am, episode 15, seemed to me to be more of that like rough, original, raw art style mm-hmm. that you find in manga. So I don't necessarily think that it's wrong or like they did a bad job. It's just because the show tends to be quite polished in overall, it feels a little bit like out of place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to it whenever mm. I get there, just because I'm intrigued to see it and hope it doesn't Dead Man Wonderland me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm curious. I'm definitely <clears throat> curious as to what your perspective on it is, because obviously I only know my own opinion on it and the comment mm-hmm. section um, for it. And a lot of the comment section on Crunchyroll, where I was watching it, um, were saying that they were excited for it to go back to normal. But yeah, I don't know. So before we get into more haiku, do we want to get into some news really quick? Yes, I'd love to hear some news. So, Demon Slayer has officially opened in South Korea. Mm. And on its opening day, Demon Slayer sold 42% of all tickets in theaters on its opening day. Okay. So... Definitely opened at number one in South Korea, and it sold a total of 66,000 tickets on its opening day. Jeez. So that's that's a lot. <laughs> it sold so many tickets. Get it? Uh... Like, get it? <laughs> I, I, I should have expected that, honestly. The second <laughs> I thought of this news, that should have immediately just came to mind that i was like no surely <laughs> no, she would sure. i'm not gonna make a stupid pun no, no that, that's not the blue that i know she would never even on my grain brain i made one <laughs> that's that's impressive and then on the topic of demon slayer so the in 2020 the japanese box office dropped a total of 45 percent on the year. Mm-hmm. However, do you want to know how much Demon Slayer accounted for its total overall sales in 2020? How much? 25% of total box office sales belong to Demon Slayer. And when did Demon Slayer come out? Like October, September, October? It's been in theaters for 15 weeks now. Yeah, so towards the end of the year. Yeah, that's wild. That is that is wild. That something that dropped in October, I think the first week of October, mm-hmm. has taken up a quarter of an entire year's worth of Revenue. sales. Yeah. October, That's wild. Yeah, like it makes sense. Yeah. It's like, it took a, it made a quarter of the year's worth in a quarter of the year. It If it had... By it could have been in theaters by itself and done its job. Yeah, that's that's the <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, that's baffling to sit back and think about, especially considering that's just Japan alone. Like I'm just sitting back and chomping at the bit for it to drop here in America, just yeah. because I I'm so ready to see it. And not I'm just that, really, but I'm excited to see how it's going to do here as well. Yeah, I'm really, really curious as to how it's going to rank. And when it comes out as well, I think it's going to have a huge impact on mm-hmm. its like box office debut over in North America. And, uh, because like depending on when it hits, movie theater cinemas might be opening back up again. But like I don't know what competition it's going to be up against. Because when it kind of came out in Japan, 
there wasn't a lot of other stuff that was like really like important stuff that was coming out at around the same time. It kind of hit a real hole in the market. Mm-hmm. Well, at least here, things are still being released kind of sporadically, so it's not going up against a whole lot right now. Mm-hmm. Considering a lot of Disney's stuff, they've moved to Disney+, Plus. a lot of Warner Brothers stuff, like Wonder Woman 84, they moved directly to HBO, so there's a lot of variables of people just kind of moving them to streaming services. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll kind of see what the market looks like whenever things start to open up a little bit more. Yeah. But Monster Hunter, the film adaptation of the video game has been open in theaters, and there's been a few other things mm-hmm. kind of open up in the meantime. So as things kind of continue or continue to progress and vaccines become more of a thing and life kind of slowly starts to, you know, come back a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see kind of how the landscape changes as far as cinemas go, because it's going to be interesting to see if things that got pushed back to streaming services like Mulan and Wonder Woman and other things, if they're actually going to get a theatrical release or if they're just going to leave them be. Yeah. Because I know, at least from a lot of people that I've talked to, because I'm not going to lie, I started Wonder Woman 84 and I couldn't finish it because it made me sick to watch the animation on it. Mm -hmm. Because season three of Attack on Titan had better animation than a Warner Brother big box office budget film. It's a shade. No joke. Like, it made me sick to watch, like, that opening mall scene of her, like, swinging around the mall on a lasso. Mm -hmm. Like, that was awful to watch. I mean, I don't want to sit here and throw shade by any means, but for a big film production company that has the amount of money to dish out onto those films that they do, mm-hmm. to, for it to have like old 70s or 80s style like film cuts and just, that sucked, man. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hate to, you know, say that anime did it better, but in this one instance... I would rather watch Levi and them just fly through the city like over and over and over again than have to watch that scene one more fucking time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't (laughs) I forgot what point I was making with that. Oh, yeah. So I'm just curious to see how the whole film landscape is going to be whenever it happens. But dear God, just bring us Demon Slayer sooner rather than later, please. Oh, yeah. I need it. I really, really do want to see it in theaters. Uh, I'm just really curious as to how how that's going to happen, like logistically and and the statistics on that. Like what what is going to happen? Because I know mm-hmm. that like all of us anime fans that have you know that aren't fluent in Japanese <laughs> have been waiting on this for a long time, and and mm-hmm. uh, and we want to we want to watch it. And I don't. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see. I'm I'm excited to see how it does outside of the anime community. Like if. The hype from it being so monstrously successful in Japan has opened people up to watching Demon Slayer, introducing themselves to anime, and then going to look at this film that broke all these records. Because I feel like, you know, people that are interested in film or interested in movies that don't necessarily have like a passion in anime, might this might be the trigger to them to get really more intrigued in modern anime as opposed to like Studio Ghibli stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently, the dub trailer kind of blew up in North America. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't understand why. Because did you watch that clip I sent you? 
Uh, yeah, I did. So you see how bad it is. Mm-hmm. I hate it. I hate it so much. But anyway, <clears throat> but I can see its appeal, especially to a wider audience, because, again, the fact that they're going to release the dub alongside the sub, I just think it would be in their best interest to show it for a longer period of time than have like one or two showings of each version. Yeah. <clears throat> especially with the limited market for theaters right now, I think it would be a lot better idea to spread it out and give it, you know, a few weeks, especially with the current climate of the pandemic and everything else. You know what this kind of reminds me of? Hmm. You remember, like, back in our childhood when 3D movies first started coming out and you had to wear those red and blue glasses? Yes. It kind of feels like that. Like, when you didn't know which showing you were going to, if you were going to go to the 3D or the 2D, or and everyone would say that they would get motion sickness if they went to the 3D film, mm-hmm. and, and <clears throat> it was, like, really crappy the whole time, and you had these paper glasses. Yeah, and the glasses were just garbage, and sometimes would work, sometimes they wouldn't. And they didn't work for my brother at all, because he's colorblind. <laughs> yeah, and not only that, but he's red-green colorblind, he's- so one of the things that's supposed to help just... Does one, it work? I think it, I think the stats are something like one in five men have some kind of level of colorblindness, and the most common level of like version of colorblindness is red green colorblind. I think those uh-huh. are the stats. I think it's like one in five. And you know the bad, or not necessarily the bad part about it, but one thing I've noticed, especially doing what I do for a living, is that that's a very true statistic. Most of the men that I talk to at work don't perceive color mm-hmm. that well. Yeah, yeah. And so, and in fact, well, I think it's a lot more well, common so. than you think. It's way common. It's way common. I think it's one in five in men and one in fifteen in women, if I can mm-hmm. remember correctly, have some fi- kind of like scale of colorblindness. My brother is incredibly colorblind, so uh, it's like he's not just red green colorblind. He has some other levels of colorblind on top of it, but he's very red green colorblind. But like, mm-hmm. I know so many people that I'm like, oh yeah, my brother's colorblind, and they're like, oh my dad's colorblind, oh my uncle's colorblind, like oh, it, you know, and it runs in families, like it's hereditary. So, you know, if there's a, like plenty of chance that if you know somebody's colorblind, they have multiple people in their family line that are colorblind to some extent. Mm -hmm. And it's like with that statistic in women as well. I can understand that as well. Mm -hmm. Because women typically have a better color observation than men do. Mm -hmm. Like they have the ability to see more shades and perceive different undertones in colors. So it's, it's always fascinated me to talk with a lot of people that I do at work with picking out colors just to see how they perceive it and how they might perceive it differently than I do. Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely an interesting kind of point of view, but yeah. yeah, again, back to the whole 3D thing. Yeah. I could see that sucking. Yeah, yeah. I remember we used to go to, they gave me headaches anyways when I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually still am not a big fan of watching 3D films. I, they, they, I, they give me headaches. They're not great for me. But then I also like have bad vision, so I don't, don't think that helps. But um, yeah. Uh, so we tend to always go see the 2D showing, right? But, like, these Mm -hmm. films that are now coming out with subtitled versions, especially more and more anime films that are going to start being shown in theaters, I feel like we're going to start seeing that kind of, like, culture around it, like the 2D, 3D vibe that you used to get back in, like, 2006. 
Um, well, Demon Slayer's also getting IMAX showings, so it's mm-hmm. getting 3D showings as well. Yeah, so, so it's like that's... you're going to see it in 2D or 3D and subbed or dubbed. It's like you have four different options of which you're going to see this. Could you imagine watching a subbed film in 3D and how just absolutely fucking weird that would be? It would be so weird. Like that, would the subtitles pop out of the screen? <laughs> it makes me wonder if they need to like make like Google Glass like, and then have like the subtitles appear on your lenses, not on the screen. Oh, that would be cool as shit. Right? Oh, I would love that. Yeah. Honestly, you know what I would have loved to have seen in 3D though? What? That final fight between the spider kid and Tanjiro just because of the flame breathing. Oh, yeah. That would be so sick. Mm-hmm. Oh, I need this now. Please. Just, mm-hmm. I need it. Yeah. So, now I'm just thinking news? about all of these different fight scenes. Because now I'm thinking, like, um, uh, the one from My Hero Academia, the film. The last fight from that one. The non-canon film. I can't remember the name mm-hmm. of it. That final fight would have been sick in 3D. So you know it'd be even better? So are you at least through season three of My Hero? So, the two fight scenes in season three of Deku and Kachan and All Might and All for One, mm-hmm. those fight scenes would be badass. Honestly, yeah. But especially the fight between Deku and Kachan, just because the animation on that was already just stunning as it is. Especially with, like, Deku's shoot-style electricity. Like, that would be sick. Even just, like, the scenes of, like, um, what's her name? Uraraka? Is that it? Ur- Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Her just like levitating like the bricks in that one, in those two OVAs, um, where she's like levitating a bunch of bricks because they're in that collapsed building. Mm hmm. That, even that in 3D would just be cool to see. Oh, yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. Just the amount of stuff that we want in 3D now <laughs> just because of anime and it being badass the way that it is. Right? Oh, oh just the entirety of Dragon like, Ball. I would, could you imagine it with like the, um, Oh, what's that thing? You know, where you put the goggles on and then you're in it. Oh, VR? Yeah. Thank you. That'd be cool. Right? Yeah, anime and VR. I've honestly contemplated getting a VR setup here lately just because, for one, quarantine workouts would Mm -hmm. be awesome. Mm -hmm. Especially playing Beat Saber. Could you imagine how fit you could get just, like, slashing the shit out of some anime beats? Yeah. I'd be... I wonder if... Totally be down for that. Does UFC have, like, a VR version of their games? I don't think so, because but like, they should. They should, right? That would be sick. Well, I know they have, like, anime, not anime, fuck, VR boxing games. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that. I guess but you I can't really UFC grab it. should definitely. <laughs> I mean, considering how good the tracking on that shit is, you probably could. Mm. So if you want to see something hilarious, by the way, go look up the new hitman game in vr mm-hmm. because apparently you can like pick up fish because i don't know if you're familiar with the new hitman games but you can literally pick up objects and fling it at really stupid distances <laughs> to kill people okay but you can also pick up a fish and just walk up to people beat the shit out of them with it in vr what does that remind me of people what does it remind me of monty python you'll cut down the tallest tree in the forest with a herring! <laughs> Honestly, though, yes. <laughs> There's just something about running around with a giant fish and just bashing people with it no, that just humors funny. me to no end. 
That is funny. But yeah, I was just thinking, like, VR would be sick because, like, they could release, like, world saves, I guess, of, like, anime worlds, and you could just, like, take a walk through the world. Like, not even have the characters or anything, but just, like, like Google Maps. they have that, or, like, uh, VR chat, they'll have, like, custom modded worlds in it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they're all user-designed and whatnot, but still... Yeah, but I that, do think that would be sick. animation companies could potentially do something like that. You could pay four or five bucks mm-hmm. and just go tour anime worlds or however much they want to charge, because I'm sure that would be a pain in the ass. Yeah. But then again, after... Fuck, I lost my train of thought. Anyway, with chit-chatting and seeing how animation on those shows are done, especially Demon Slayer, mm-hmm. with the way that it's done, honestly, I don't think it would be that hard, because the way that the world is created... And it's, like, made in a 3D cube. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be possible and probably wouldn't take too much extra time. Yeah, because I was just thinking of, like, ReZero. And I think that that would be really sick to just have, like, the townspeople in their kind of magical garbs just, like, walking around. And you can just hop from location to location and just, like, walk around the villages, you know, see, like, mm-hmm. the the small characters that you don't really remember, like, the baker at the beginning, or, what, was he a baker, or just something gross? Oh, the like, apple lettuce. man? Yeah, Alice's. Lettuces and apples <laughs> combined in my head to make Alice's, but that's, yeah, apples. Are we watching Sword Art now, with Alice's Asian? Is that it? I Sure, why not? <laughs> but even, like, I mean... Some, like, sort of online watch go through that world with a VR headset is very, uh, uh, meta. Honestly, though, with VR being as big of a thing as it is now, with it being as good as it is, Mm. why has SAO not been made? Like, they continue to make games for the consoles. Yeah. And whatnot, so why haven't they made one for VR yet? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I I want a Pokemon game in VR where I can, like, walk around and just see wild pokemon like you don't i don't even need to have like the interactive ability yet like i'm cool with just seeing them in the wild you know <gasps> oh my god pokemon snap but in vr right this needs to be a thing like now <clears throat> and honestly i'm mainly just thinking about that because pokemon snap is coming out at the end of march i think mm. and i'm so excited because pokemon snap is my fucking childhood I absolutely love every minute of it. And you know who else is a massive fan of Pokemon Snap? Who? Your hairdresser. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Janessa. Oh, yeah. Like, massive fan. Whenever Pixel sent me the trailer for it, I immediately had to send it to her so we could gush over it. Mm-hmm. I We used to... We talked about Pokemon a lot being in the chair when I, when I sit there and, and chat with her. We talk about Pokemon a lot. Because, like, mm-hmm. we had... Kind of similar, but also different experiences to Pokemon growing up. I remember mm-hmm. when Pokemon Go came out, and we were both just sitting there and just, like, catching Pokemon while she was doing my hair. That was funny. Um, yeah, no, because, like, I went from a... Like, my brother played uh, had the games, and he collected Pokemon cards, and then whatever cards he didn't want, he gave to me. <laughs> so I had, like, boxes of, like, energy... <laughs> <laughs> and like and like ratatas and like it's like basic stuff you know my brother was like look at this shiny and my my aunt would whenever she would go to japan for the summer 
she would bring us back like little things and she would bring him quite often back um pokemon packs like car packs and mm-hmm. he'd be like look at these cool cards that i have that i don't know what they say because they're in japanese <laughs> and <laughs> and i'm like oh my god that's sick uh, and and he has so he has like a few um japanese cards which are cool mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so he always kept those, and I was like, one day. And he had, like, the binder with the sleeves, and his looked so official. And mine was in, like, a Polly Pocket box. And I'm like, these are my cards. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Um, so, yeah, we've kind of had different experiences. Like, any Pokemon game I played, I just had one save on my brother's game. Mm-hmm. So, like, Pokemon Ruby and silver and stuff and i always i only got the games like when a new one would come out he would give me the old one mm. so when he was playing ruby and sapphire i was playing silver <laughs> like that's yeah big brothers you know oh yeah but i mean hey at least the hand-me-downs work yeah they did work and i was just so pleased because i managed to i got the same game boy advance that he did so we both had purple game boy advances and i was like mm. this is amazing i have the same game boy advance as my brother and then my mom was like here have a um, dress design game, which I loved. Don't get me wrong, I loved the dress design game, but I was like, but I also want Pokemon. She was like, you get one, and George already has Pokemon, so have this one and steal a game from your brother. And he's like, no, it's my game. <laughs> I remember the transition from the Game Boy Advance to the Game Boy Advance SP or SD or whatever the hell it was, to mm-hmm. where it actually had a backlight, to where you didn't have to have that fucking foldable light to where you could play in the dark yeah we skipped. god that makes me that makes me feel old right talking yeah. about that all of a sudden jesus christ i i had the original game boy that didn't even have fucking color mm. so that's that's oh man <laughs> yeah my my cousin had a game boy color that was japanese like she got it from japan and all That's of her cool games shit. are in Japanese. And I remember, like, watching her play games and just being like, I don't understand what's going on at all. <laughs> but, There's but I would a... Do it. But yeah, we went from... My brother went from Game Boy Advance to DS... To a DS. And I went from a Game Boy Advance to a DS Lite. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have any in-between consoles. I still have them both. And then my brother then... When we, when we emigrated, we got a Wii... Because we were like, mm-hmm. it's the new console, it is cool. And ours was black, and I remember thinking that that was so cool. Because everyone else had a white Wii, and we had a black one. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we went to a garage sale, and we got a PS2 for five bucks. We were like, score, two controls. Oh, that's five. a fucking steal. It was a steal. Um, yeah. I would kill to find a PS2 right now for five bucks. Yeah, it was five Canadian uh, dollars I'm- as well, so that's even cheaper. No, more expensive. What is it? More expensive. Uh, Slightly more expensive. By like, so it's like seven American dollars. No, I think it's... Right? Yeah, it no, is. No, I think it's cheaper. I is think it? y'all's currency is worse less, or worth less than <laughs> it's, ours. It's worse. Your currency is <laughs> worse. <laughs> you, you get what I'm trying to say. Whenever new know. games come out for us, they're 60. And when they whenever they come out for y'all, they're 80. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. You're right. I was doing it the wrong way around. Yeah. So, so it'd like, be like three bucks yeah, for us like, or four yeah, bucks, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. For, for, and it came with two controls. I'm assuming what happened was some kid, some teenage kid got himself in trouble and those parents were like, we're selling your old console as, as um, punishment, I guess. That's my assumption. Not only that, but they're selling it way below value just for yeah. shits and giggles. 
I, that, that's the only thing I can think of. Or, I mean, I during that time, it was when the oil field out here in Alberta was really booming and people were making way too much money. So mm-hmm. it might have just been that they didn't give a shit. Yeah, they could have got a PS3 and be like, ah, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we got that. And I remember we got we got GarageBand on it. And I just did that for like forever. Oh man, like Guitar Hero was my shit. Yeah. So speaking DDR. of games... Are you familiar with the current uh, stock market climate over here right now? Yeah, with the whole GameStop um, Robin Hood fiasco. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's a tasty bit of news. It's a situation. <laughs> oh man, that's that's been interesting to watch all that shit unfold. My 100%. lord, how much has happened since the last time we sat down and recorded? Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Just the whole, like, eat the rich mentality. <laughs> mm-hmm. So for those that have been living under a rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so about a week ago, it was leaked or someone on Reddit found out that the hedge fund brokers on Wall Street were short selling GameStop stock. Mm-hmm. So the people on Reddit banded together and decided to just start buying the absolute shit out of GameStop stock. Yeah, it went from like so, 40 to like 470 in like three days or something stupid. Yeah, not even 40. It was 20. 20 so yeah. ordinary people became millionaires overnight. And not only did they become millionaires overnight, but those hedge funds lost billions Mm. of dollars because of that Mm -hmm. that's how bad they were short selling it Mm -hmm. and so it got to the point to where robin hood which was a free app that promoted by a lot of youtubers as well like philip defranco was sponsored by them for a long time he's since said that he wants nothing to do with them anymore um like Mm -hmm. it's it was a kind of like the common people app hence the name robin hood i mean it was all about taking Mm -hmm. from the rich and giving to the poor right yeah because you could buy any stock you wanted you could invest money in it and they would kind of take your money and spread it out and And it was like like, small amounts of money as opposed to like needing thousands of dollars to invest in the stock market you could do it with like 10 bucks yeah like my cousin put in a hundred bucks and I think he had like within a year it had like grown to like two fifty or something like that. Yeah. So you didn't have to do a lot with it. And what Robinhood ended up doing is for one, they stopped allowing people to buy GameStop shares with mm-hmm. it. And not only that, but they were also selling people's shares without their permission. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the people were still getting the money, but they weren't actually selling the stock. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, it was they were trying to deflate the stock number on it and get it to drop. Mm-hmm. And so, it like everything went to shit after that. The second that they stopped, they issued the stop sale on GameStop stocks, they like the people immediately filed a class action lawsuit. Yes. Against them. And then now the whole stock market world is burning. Yeah, it's very interesting to watch as someone who doesn't, like, I don't really know much about it, to be honest. Like, before mm-hmm. this circumstance, I've never really been too interested in stocks. Mm-hmm. But um, it's very, very interesting to watch. And I feel like a lot of people recently have learned a lot about the stock market. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, the whole thing about it really is, is just like this level of 
betrayal I think a lot of people feel towards Robin Hood specifically, but they weren't the only ones to do it. A lot of other companies followed suit after Robin Hood did so. It was just that Robin Hood was the biggest and they did it first, mm-hmm. um, allegedly. <laughs> and then not only that, but whereas it's typically been the regular people that have called for like stock market regulations to where now it's not the regular people that are calling for the regulations. It's the hedge fund people. Yeah. And all of the actual Wall Street people, they're like, ah, this needs to be regulated. Ah, this is bullshit. Blah, blah, blah. Like, no, it's not. Like, y'all got played like fools. Yeah, and they're saying now that it's a big deal that, like, people banded together on Reddit to do it, and they're saying that they, like, collaborated, but they didn't really, like, still individual people making their own choices. It was just, Mm -hmm. like, you know, nobody It wasn't like a corporate entity just pulled together a shit ton of money and was like, all right, let's do this. No, it it was normal people that decided to take their stimulus money and back a company Mm -hmm. that honestly could use it, because I think GameStop was going bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I mean, it's no uh, no different, really, to what the, the other people were doing to GameStop in the first place. Just like mm, they because... were banding together with their people, people on Reddit were banding together with their people. You know. And are you familiar with what short selling is? Yeah, it's when you like you buy it to get rid of it really quick or something, right? Or it's like you technically borrow the stock, right? Yeah, and then you sell it. And then once you sell it, whenever it's time to return the stock price, mm-hmm. the stock price since you've sold it has dropped. So instead of, you know, you borrow it at ten bucks, mm-hmm. you sell it at ten bucks, it drops back to five. Then you just have to pay five dollars back, immediate five dollar profit. Yeah. So that's essentially what they were doing, and so the people just immediately just jacked up the price from twenty dollars a share. So then they had to, to pay it back to four hundred dollars a share. Yeah, they. Then so had not to only pay. did they have to pay back the what would have been probably ten bucks, mm-hmm. they ended up having to pay back like four hundred and fifty bucks per share. So if they did that on millions of shares, they were then, losing a shit ton of money. Yeah, they lost literal billions of dollars. Yeah. And, um, but you know what stock shot up in this, at which I thought was wild? What? It wasn't just GameStop. It wasn't just AMC, but BlackBerry. Yeah, I, I saw that as well. I, I feel like it's the first time we've heard about BlackBerry in years. Yeah, I haven't heard about BlackBerry in like a fucking decade. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's a blast from the past all of a sudden. You know what? I was talking about BlackBerry the other day with, with someone because I was watching old episodes of Criminal Minds. Mm-hmm. And they, the like the heroes, the like FBI agents of the show, were using iPhones, like old mm-hmm. iPhones. I think like iPhone four, iPhone three, or something. I don't know, mm-hmm. like season four or five of the show. I'm not sure. And um, and then they had an episode where there was a guy who was like hooking up explosives, right? And he mm-hmm. was using not a BlackBerry <laughs> as a <laughs> as a detonation device. It was a blueberry. It was a blueberry. <laughs> but it was one of those things where I was watching it and I was like, aha, uh-huh, so black bad guy has a blueberry. Good guys are using a- actual branded iPhones. I was like, that's that's some marketing wreck there. That's very funny. Because the point was, and I was talking to this person and they were saying, the point was, was that BlackBerry had been used, but like Obama had used BlackBerry because um the like I don't know, FBI, CIA, whoever had deemed 
iPhones too easily accessible by like hackers and stuff. So Obama and like other like high ranking people in um, American politics were using BlackBerry phones and it was like really good advertising for BlackBerry at the time. Mm -hmm. But, and this is all theory and speculation, okay? Please don't sue us. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, uh, iPhone then used that as their marketing to be like, well, if you're using a BlackBerry, you've clearly got something to hide. And that's how they spun it in their marketing. Mm -hmm. So then they went through and they made all these deals with like these like criminal minds type shows where they were like, we want you to get like, uh, again, speculation, blueberry phone for your bad guy because they're the bad guy there. You have, uh, is like their phone has had things that they need to hide on it. And we'll give you the iPhones because you have nothing to hide. Right. So if anybody hacks you, who cares? Because, there's nothing important on there, like nothing secret on there, because you're a good guy. Good guys don't have anything secret on their phones. Mm-hmm. It's like not like they have their banking information or anything on there. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I thought that was interesting, though. Uh, that is really interesting. It's mm. definitely something to sit back and think about, just because that's how it's always been. It's either that or Nokia or whatever mm-hmm. that the bad guys have that they use to strap to bombs and shit. So it, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we went on tangents there. <laughs> Uh, just just a few, nothing nothing out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. So, two last pieces of news before we can get into Haikyuu. So, second to last piece of news. Lisa's Homura, or the theme song for the Demon Slayer film, has officially been certified platinum. Doesn't surprise me. No, I'm, I'm not surprised either. The way that Gurenge and Homura has just absolutely blown up for her, and she's become... Like, one of the biggest artists in the world throughout 2020. I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see how her music that isn't associated with Demon Slayer charts. You know, I'm interested in that as well, just because she does a lot more anime OPs than one would think. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious just to see how well they would do outside of that as well. Mm -hmm. And one last piece of news. So, Fruits Basket has revealed its final trailer and teaser visual for its final season, and not only that, but its release date, which is set for April. Oh, that's pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's weird to think that the show is just now getting close to wrapping up, and we are just now about to cover the first original version of it. (laughs) Yeah, I, f- I feel like this remake has happened really fast. It really has. I don't feel like it's really taken a break. It's almost like they've shown end it. Yeah. Where they're just like, rush, 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 rush. Yeah. So it is, it's definitely wild to see, but also it's been just absolutely blowing up. So mm-hmm. it makes sense. Yeah, I've seen a lot of their merch around on like Hot Topic and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of, of Fruits basket, Baskets merch. Most of the merch that you see is Demon Slayer and My Hero Academia, but I've been seeing a lot of Fruits Basket and a lot of Dr. Stone as well recently, which I'm super happy about because I love me some Dr. Stone, but yeah. Yes, I also love how Dr. Stone is giving us more quality memes for the Instagram. We, that makes me happy. We do love those memes. Yes. Dr. Stone is, because... all, is so good for memes. 
Yes, Dr. Stone is just perfection in general, but especially for memes, mwah, yeah. chef's kiss. Yeah, speaking of the Instagram, make sure you go drop us a follow if you haven't already, where you can go find those juicy memes. Some we make, some we find, but we will be sure to share them all with you at BNB Anime. Yes, because yeah. I like to post all of the memes. All of the memes he does, and it's a great time, and I enjoy them very much. So much fun. Mm-hmm. So, Haikyuu Seasons 2 and 3? Haikyuu Seasons 2 and 3. Let's rip through this. If you want background information, go listen to episode 50, because literally nothing has changed between seasons 2 and 3. Same director, same everything else, same studio. Mm-hmm, yeah. And one thing I did find interesting was that season 3 only had 10 episodes. We did kind of discuss that previously. Well, sort of. We speculated that season 3 had 10 episodes because we knew how many episodes the director did but Mm -hmm. um yeah 10 is a kind of weird number for a season it is i mean i guess it just depends on the amount of because it very well could have depended fuck could have depended on how long that they had as far as a tv time goes yeah because, again, things like Attack on Titan, that's gone 17 weeks instead of 12. Yeah. So it could just, again, it could just be the amount of actual TV time they're given, so they had to work within that time. Although it didn't feel rushed. No, I thought it was a really means. good stopping point, And I don't feel, yeah, I don't feel like it was rushed. And I don't feel like they should have included more either. No, it was, 10 episodes was just perfect for mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And it felt like a really good place for the director to kind of take his leave as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the end of a, a solid arc, so. Mm-hmm. Okay, so starting off at the beginning of season two, I suppose I'll check on the spoiler chicken hats first. Yeah, spoiler chicken hats. Spoiler Speaking chicken hats. of spoiler chickens, the fucking mid-card thing for Haikyuu season four was excellent. <laughs> yeah. The Hinata chicken that's flying around. <laughs> yeah. I love that so much. Yeah. Although I was disappointed that they went away from the like them serving practice mm-hmm. in the middle. I was I'm pleased with it. I couldn't be any happier with that change. The little bird with his hair on top. Yeah, that's it just that look. It's yeah. just it's one hundred percent Hinata. Anyway, yeah, it's great. Two. Okay, so yeah, spoiler chicken hats on. If you want to see season one or like hear us discussing season one, that was a previous episode, as Brad has just said, so go check that out. And I'm sure we are definitely going to be covering season four at some point. So yeah, uh, that's that's for a future thing. Be sure that you keep your eyes peeled for that. We will also yeah, let you know yeah. when we get to season three as well. So if you've only seen up to season two, we'll discuss that, give you a second spoiler warning as well. So don't worry about season three spoilers if you haven't seen it yet. Did you order a second spoiler chicken hat? Because I did. I have my backup. I always have backup. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So we are starting off with uh, their defeat from the inter-high preliminaries. And Karasuno is working hard, practicing. We're at Volleyball Club. They arrive with the encouraging news that Karasuno has been invited to Nakama to take part in a training camp along with uh, a couple of other schools. And uh, Kagama and Hinata separate from the team and they run into Ushijima, the captain of the academy that they are going to be, like, facing next. And they, like, vow that they're going to, like, be beat him, basically. So we're starting off on the strong f- note of, like, okay, training camp, which I do love in a sports anime. You always need those training camps. 
and or music anime actually quite a lot of the time there are training camps with music animes too that's that's very true yeah <clears throat> and and we've also had a declaration of of winning yeah um <laughs> always a declaration of winning in sports anime though mm-hmm. yeah. although i i'm not gonna lie i had my heart prepared to be broken throughout all of this yeah yeah i obviously knew the results of what these games were going to be <clears throat> Mm-hmm. I actually don't feel like the. That's one thing that I will say is that quite often in sports animes, the title of the next episode sometimes spoils the results of the episode that you're currently watching. So if you're watching on Crunchyroll and, like, you know, it skips to the next episode and takes you out of full screen, sometimes that spoils what's going to happen. I don't feel like. I feel like they did well in Haikyuu for not letting the title of the following episodes spoil the episode that you're currently on not only that but even with the descriptions as mm-hmm. well it's like a very broad description yeah so it tries to keep you from getting things spoiled so yeah. it makes sense yes i appreciate that so yeah we are trying to go to a training camp but uh hinata and kageyama have to pass their final exam exams because of uh, being big stupid. I really liked the fact that Kageyama is also not book smart, because I feel like his character is kind of, like, you get the impression that he should be book smart. Oh yeah, 100% should be. Yeah. (laughs) And yet he's right in there with the Libero and the other wing spiker, and it's hilarious. Yes. Yeah, it makes me laugh a lot that the, the four of them are... And, like, the fact that everyone else is just, like, you're so stupid. Like, you're this... It, and the that that scene where um, Asahi was like, hey, Kageyama, look at these, like, hand signals. It's like, <laughs> and he does them all, and Kageyama's like, I know exactly all the answers to all of those. And then he says, how long did it take you to memorize those? He's like, like an afternoon. It's like, how do you not know your schoolwork when, when it comes to volleyball, you're like able to memorize anything not only that but so they had to pass their final exams to go to this training camp yeah and somehow hinata and kageyama still managed to fucking fail yeah so what was it It is kageyama had studied um like all of the kanji or something for it and he had to study english yeah and hinata was studying math yeah and hinata had like put the wrong thing on his on his scantron like he had like got them out like he missed one yeah and then he had everything else under it right but it was in the wrong spot one slot down so he basically got a zero yeah and then the whole test kageyama had like studied the short answer and he was supposed to study for the long answer or something like he he had studied the wrong section of the test yeah and so And so everyone else went and they had to make a makeup exam and yet they passed the makeup exam with somewhat flying colors. I guess we never saw the results, but then they go back to, you know, doing shit. So who's the say? <laughs> but yeah, we're also introduced to our new manager, excuse me, this at the beginning of this season as well, where, um, uh, yeah, the our current manager goes and finds a first year to kind of take her place, because obviously she's a third year, so she's going to be leaving. And she didn't want to leave it to the very end of the year when they're going to be recruiting new members, because she was like, I kind of want a manager to be established already. So she goes around and recruits a manager, and she ends up tutoring the two boys. And she's really cute. I like her a lot. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. She's a really good fit. Mm-hmm. 
for the team. Yeah, she's just as crazy as all of them, but also doesn't, like, draw too much attention from the main characters of the team. Yeah, she's very timid, Mm -hmm. so she's not as outlandish as everyone else on the team, but it's good because it kind of, you know, offsets everything. And as a manager, she shouldn't be the focal point out of everything. She's just there to support. Yeah, and I really like her and Hinata's friendship and the fact that they continued the fact that he's, like, so outgoing and bubbly and stuff and can just, like, be friends with anyone. And I like how they kept up that characteristic with him being the one who, like, gets really close to her. And there's nothing really romantic about it. And I feel like a lot of shows would have taken it in that direction. But Mm -hmm. Haikyuu kind of left it as a, no, he's just really personable and she's shy. And so he's, like, a bubbly person and, and is her gateway into getting to know the rest of the team. Not only that, but Hinata's not getting a girlfriend. No. He can't get volleyball out of his brain. No, There's he, no way he's he is, getting a girlfriend. He is dating the sport. That is the thing. But like her yes. infatuation lies completely with the current third year manager. And I actually really like that she's focused on her job. Hinata's focused on his job. The two of them get along really well. Yeah. Yeah. So we are now, they managed to get to the training camp scooting in last minute. And they have a, yeah, bunch of practice matches, stuff like that. Um, Yachi. And they got their ass absolutely handed to them. Yes. While Hinata and Kageyama weren't there. Yeah. And even when they were there, they still weren't winning because they were trying a bunch of new techniques and none of them were really where they needed them to be. So they were just trialing them and, and failing. Mm-hmm. But I also really like that as well. I like the fact that there was like these moments of them trying to get a handle on that new techniques and not gaining them right away. And you really got to see the progress of the people and them like testing stuff out. Mm -hmm. But at the time, you also don't necessarily notice how much they are trying new stuff until you get to see it later on. Yeah. But yeah, so now we're talking about the new manager who she wants to join the volleyball club, but she's not entirely sure. She does end up joining the volleyball volleyball club. Spoilers. But um, she's seeing seeing its appeal right now. She's... Really concerned, though, because she doesn't know whether or not she should join because they're also committed to it. And her mum basically says, if you're not going to be as committed to it as they are, then, and you join, that's the rudest thing you can do. And so she's, like, fearing disapproval and and she's not having a good time. And she always, she says, basically, she played a tree. You know, she's always been, like, townsperson B. She's always been not the center of attention to the fact that she's all of a sudden going to gain all of this responsibility is, like, scary for her. But Hinata convinces her to join, recalling a time when he also played a background role. Now, did you also get the same image come to mind whenever she said that? Of? About the role she played? Of that what is it what anime was that where girls are Yui freaking from kale <laughs> yeah. having her yeah. face just come through a fucking tree she's a freaking bush <laughs> oh uh whenever she said that i immediately lost it because that came back to mind of yui just standing there with her face coming through a tree in a bush yeah that's that's what i was thinking of as well and if i can remember correctly wasn't the bush like supposed to be a different like person but then they like had to get pulled so she stood in as a bush yep like she was a stand-in bush <laughs> and it wasn't even her class i think it was a completely different class that had it she's like i'll do it i'll do it i'll be oh my god that's that yeah yeah no i'm with uh, you that's that's where i was too <laughs> i love it so much so now the team is traveling to tokyo 
But yeah, Hinata Kageyama are left behind because of their supplementary exams, they go through all of those drills, and we are also introduced to Lev, a half-Russian player, who vows to be the first to counter his quick attack. Hinata is trying about a bunch of new techniques, because we already discussed the fact that he that they got there, um, to be able to compete by himself, because he is kind of, like, Hinata's come to the conclusion that he is only a good volleyball player when Kageyama is tossing to him, and he mm-hmm. wants to be able to stand alone and be a good volleyball player, regardless of who his team mem- members are. And... Kageyama is also trying himself to improve his tosses so that he can make Hinata the best that he can be because he believes that Hinata can be more than what he is as well. So they're both kind of working to improve Hinata in their own way, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. And, but yeah, so, but Hinata and Kageyama end up actually having an argument. They have a fight over Hinata wanting to try these new techniques. Hinata deems uh, is like you're super unsupportive, and they yeah get into a big fight. But when they come down to it, the two of them kind of get together and like decide that they're gonna separate and go on their own separate ways. Like they come to a mutual agreement of taking a break from each other and working on themselves individually and their skills, and then coming back together again. And the rest of the team is like they like the team has a lot of faith in them to be able to do that. But our new manager is like, concerned about their rocky relationship, but she also didn't experience them, like, in the first season, when they were, like, arguing from the second they met, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Kageyama and Oikawa get together to practice, and Oikawa kind of gives Kageyama the advice of giving Hinata the tosses that Hinata wants. Like, did he even consider what Hinata is wants, or is he just giving him the tosses that he thinks is best? Mm, that was a nice little moment of character growth. It was, yeah. For both of them, I feel like. Because um, Oikawa has this kind of, like, he says that he's Kageyama's senpai and his, like, I don't know, what's the word? Like, tutor, I guess. But he, you never really got to see much of him actually being like that for Kageyama. I think this mm-hmm. is probably the first time we get to see him actually giving him advice, you know? As opposed to just being yeah. a, a rival. Mm-hmm. And Hinata actually finds himself with Gramps, um, the former coach, and uh, yeah, Coach Yukai's the current coach's grandpa, who is like helping him improve his offense um, with like his like the kids that he teaches and stuff at, at his house. Then they go to a new training camp, more training camps. We do love those training camps. And Hinata is noticing that Kageyama has changed up his tosses. He's now doing tosses where he's, like, trying to stop the rotation while they're in air. So, like, they pause for a second before they fall, as opposed to, like, tosses that continue their arc, if that makes sense. Instead of being a rainbow, they're, like, a fishing rod, right? I think so. Yeah, (laughs) if that makes sense. (laughs) Yes, it does. Um, good. And Asahi is also working on his jump serves. Um, Noya is practicing his jump tosses because he doesn't just want to be like he saw someone uh, who was a libero who had previously been a setter and he was like oh that's cool that he can do both and he's decided to to pick that up and try and do more with that and all the others are also trying to practice synchro attacks and the whole team is just like really trying to work on individual skills which we love team development oh yeah Tsukishima believes that he shouldn't be putting in as much effort as the rest of the uh, the guys, and he's not going to be worrying about training like everybody else does because his brother trained a butt turn. His older brother trained a butt turn when he was in like 
elementary or middle school or something. Um, and then when he went to the game, he actually finds out that his brother wasn't even on the team. Like he was benched the whole time because he, no matter how hard he trained, he wasn't as good as the people that were on the court because he happened to go to school at the same time as the little giant who is Hinata's idol. That episode was sad. It was really sad. <clears throat> but again, you get an episode like that because you know that you're about to get growth out of Tsukushima. Yes. And we, I really appreciated that episode of Tsukushima's mm -hmm. growth because he's kind of like a, he was a very like one dimensional asshole up until this point. Oh yeah. And then you finally get to see the backstory as to why he is the way that he is and why he doesn't care. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, so basically his friend who becomes the um, pinch server kind of like pulls his head out of his ass and his brother is like, hey, no, you should try because like you'll, you'll find out why once you play. And I think that's what it was. It was like, yeah, you'll have a moment where you play and you realize this is why I put in all of this effort. Mm -hmm. And he has that moment. That's, I appreciate that. Good moments. Oh, the moment that he actually has that realization, I was like, I got a little teary because I was like, yeah, I finally got it. Mm -hmm. He finally has a reason to love volleyball. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's actually really cool because he kind of fit a niche in the team that nobody else was kind of there for because all the other team had their, the members of the team had their specialties, but, and they just blocked because they were big people. Whereas he, at this point, was like, oh no, I'm going to be a blocker. That is going to be my specialty. And I was like, that's that's cool. We like to see that. So then Karasuno and Nekomoa have a practice match. And the... Uh, yeah, and, and Kageyama tosses the ball the way he used to when Hinata's eyes were closed. And so the two of them have, a, have another fight. And Hinata's like, hey, what are you doing running away from this new toss that you've been practicing? But yeah, this causes Hinata to then join Tsukishima's practice with all of the other like top members of different other teams. And they end up having a three on three match where Hinata learns like cool new moves. Basically, he just like rips their brains of ideas <laughs> that he then uses throughout like the next two seasons. That's kind of an, an important three on three match that you don't think it's really going to be, but it ends up being pretty important. Mm hmm. Because, oh, yeah, yeah he agreed. just picks their brain so much throughout that time. Mm -hmm. I just love the camaraderie with everyone during this training camp. Yeah, 100%. And you really like, get they're to... all rivals, but they don't care. Yeah. Yeah, they just want to help each other learn and try out new techniques on each other. And it's really where you get to see, like, a bunch of people that are really good at what they do coming together and get being excited about what it is that they do. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those to where you get to see how they all, what, where is my brain <laughs> going? Or it's just, like, more of a realistic take, because if something like this were to happen in real life, then, yeah, everyone would be coming together and trying to help each other out, even though they're rivals, so... It was definitely good to see realism in like a sports anime. Hundred percent, yeah, and um, and you really and it's really nice that you get to see the progression of Karasuno over this training camp, and especially in the last episode uh, of this training camp, the last game, where you get to see all of the things that they were trialing start coming together, and like all of those times where they had to do their drills as punishment because they lost the sets, they're finally like. All of the stuff that they were trying, they were working on so much at that time, you get to see it, like, click for them. And they have that moment of, like, 
okay, yeah, this is working now. All the effort we put in is working. And then all of the other teams that are at the training camp are now looking at them and being like, oh, I get it now. They have leveled up so much throughout this time period. Mm. I don't know, it was cool to see them gain respect from other people, especially considering like this whole time they've just been like underdogs and you really get to see them throughout this training camp being on the same level or like getting themselves, working themselves to the same level as these other people who are like these other teams who are national level teams. And I love how they reference them losing all of these practice matches in these two training camps in season four whenever they lost those practice games and they had to do the diving laps Mm -hmm. they're like you know sometimes i even want to do these when i win yeah yeah just like i "I love that (laughs) i forgot i didn't have to do those yeah so uh, they have some barbecue we do love some barbecue um that was a good filler episode Uh, we do love barbecue episodes Mm So we're also introduced to some big characters who you can tell are going to be big rivals in the future, uh, like uh, Bokuto, who is very interesting because when he gets dejected, uh, he gets dejected real easy. He's like with it and then a girl wasn't looking in his direction and he's not with it. Or he didn't eat the right breakfast and he's not with it. I don't know, stupid small things and it makes me laugh a lot. He's a good character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, they have practice games, winning a match, final point. Cool, fun time. Um, barbecue, all caught up. Let the matches begin. Karasuna's first opponents for the preliminaries are already. They're going along, playing the games. The former coach comes to watch Karasuno play, which I really enjoyed. I liked seeing him mm-hmm. watch. And the general public are also like changing their perception of them which is cool. Mm-hmm. We do like to see that. Yeah. And of course, Hinata bumps into another scary person in the bathroom because he does. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, he has another declaration of they're, they're, they're going to win, basically. Um, but yeah, they their first game goes pretty smoothly. Mm-hmm. But still, Haikyuu does the thing where they make you feel bad for the opponents, even if you've only just met them that episode. Because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, this dude's a dick. But then you see why he's a dick. And it's like, okay, I can start to relate with you. So I I kind of don't want you to lose, but you're going to lose because otherwise the story ends here. Yeah. And you... But the further they get into this tournament, the more you're like, oh, fuck, they're going to lose at some point. Yeah. It's really scary watching them go through the tournament because the opponents that they face become opponents that have appeared throughout the show up until this point. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, because they're previously... Like, I feel like when you're watching it, if it's an opponent that has just appeared that episode, you could pretty decently confidently say that they're going to win. Or at least that's my interpretation when I was watching it. I was like, okay, well, we just met them, so they're going to win this one. Yeah, that's... Other than the first time that they faced... Alba Josai, Mm -hmm. that's essentially how it went. But then as they progress through the tournament, they've already lost to Alba Josai twice. And I mean, like, handily kind of lost their ass to them. Yeah. So facing them this time, you're like, fuck, here comes a third. Mm -hmm. The other word that you said that uh, it's Seijo, isn't it? Seijo, that's the other. Yeah, Yeah. like how they're, like, constantly referred to as either or it's either alba josai or seijo and i don't understand why Mm -hmm. yeah last episode i remember you asking me about that and i was like i don't know and then i watched it again and i was like oh yeah it's seijo Uh, (laughs) yeah i'm not sure why either the reason 
like Ushiwaka, the reason why they change his name around makes sense is because it's his first name and last name put together. Mm-hmm. So I get why Ushiwaka is his actual nickname. Whereas with fucking Seijo and Albajosai, I don't know. Nothing about that makes sense. Yeah, it makes me wonder if it's like the school that they go to is Seijo, but the... No, the Albajosai, but the, they have a team name, which or is Seijo. Or it's like their like, little mini prefecture, maybe? Maybe, I don't know. I don't know, I'm not entirely I don't, sure. I don't know either. But... Doesn't, doesn't make sense. Yeah, talking about the same team. But yeah, so they pretty quickly skim through the first game during that time. But then they go against a team who has a player that is 201 centimeters tall. How tall is that in feet? Do you know? Uh, I think they had him pegged as 6'7". Six, 6'7". Seven. Six, seven. In the dub? That, I'm going to double check that because that sounds kind How of How many right. centimeters? 201, 201 centimeters in feet is... 6'7". Six, six, seven. Six, uh, yeah, 6'7". did it. Okay, cool. Big dude. Either way. <laughs> they're facing against a really, really big dude. And the team is reliant on this dude. Like, they're the rest of the team don't really give a shit. <laughs> and he's new to volleyball. But one thing that I liked about this match is that, like we were talking about with Su- uh, Tsukishima previously, where he had that moment of like, oh yeah, this is, I enjoy volleyball. We get to see the really big dude in this team have that moment while playing this game against our boys. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool to see, like, our guys having an effect on an opponent of being like, oh, I want to know more about volleyball. Mm-hmm. That was cool. He's going to be, if, like, I don't know, I don't know how far the show, like, has in- gotten into the manga yet and how, I know there's a lot of manga. So if they do go into, like, um, Hinata's second year, but if they do, he's going to be an opponent to watch out for. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. There's a lot of characters introduced in this, and especially in season four as well, to where you're just like, oh. Yeah. There's going to be some doozies in fucking... Their second year of high school. Yeah, because they are making enemies or frenemies, left and right, rivals. Yeah, well, especially considering three of the team are third years. Like, three of the really important members of the team are third years. Our captain, Mm -hmm. um, our ace... And our uh, backup freaking what is Kaya? Setter. Setter, thank you. I was going to say server. No, Setter. No. Same as. <laughs> d- same letter, different word. <laughs> server. <laughs> uh, Setter, whatever. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Whatever. Uh, but yeah, like, so those three are going to leave. And I'm, I don't know if we're going to get some interesting first years. But I, anyway, that's conspiracy for the future. <laughs> Could you imagine Hinata with first years? Oh my god. Especially if they're bigger than he is. Oh my god. It's go- it's gonna be like the first episodes where um Noya where Hinata was like to Noya, you're smaller than me. <laughs> it's gonna be like Food War season five all over again mm-hmm. or whatever. And when um Hinata was saying to Oh shoot, I can't remember his name. The crazy dude. What is the crazy dude's name? He's just not on the list of Wikipedia, on the Google list of characters. I have that pulled up and he's just not there. Cool. That helps. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Google. Tanaka. Duh. Because he reminds me of Tanaka-kun and I always laugh at how different they are. Um, yeah, Tanaka. Uh, when he was like, call me senpai at the beginning, remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. that's going to be Hinata. I'm excited for that. Anyways, they quickly move on. They play this 201 centimeter player. They win. And then we are into... You get to watch 
Alba Josai and the Iron Wall face off. Yes, which is an interesting match. I mean, honestly, it really made you want to root for Date Tech. It did. Just because I wanted to see Hinata face the dude from Date Tech again, because the like main wall of Date Tech was like, I'm going to defeat you, mm-hmm. because you are tiny, and our wall cannot be beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they have a really good rivalry and such good respect for each other, those two characters, Hinata and, and mm-hmm. the Date Tech um wall uh i'm i think they have such good respect for each other because like there's so many times throughout the anime where he doesn't talk but he will talk to hinata and again it like reinforces that whole thing of hinata being such a people person mm-hmm. uh, agreed um so then karasuno arrived at the stadium to play their next game against Josenji. and this is where our games start splitting up into multiple episodes mm-hmm. which is similar to the first season it was kind of split like this as well where games were much shorter in the beginning of the season but once you hit around episode 15 or 16 it starts to progress out even further and then once you get into season three it progresses out for an entire season yeah i told you match 10 episodes i told you there was a season that was one game and you said at the time if there is there's no way i'm gonna watch that that's so boring well it's because i knew the seasons of Haikyuu were 25 episodes, mm-hmm. so I was like, I swear to God, <laughs> if one game lasts 25 episodes, I won't do it. Yeah. And I meant every word of that. Mm-hmm. But um, it's because it was only 10 episodes. But I was right, and you were also kind of right. So we were both right, which is fun. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Oh, we also get to see... Tsukishima going to his brother and um, learning to block from, like, people outside of the the group as well. Like, he's going off on his own to practice more, which we love. More character development. I think that's great. Yeah. And, yeah, this game is really intense. The synchro attack goes out of bounds. The Yeah, this game is really, really intense. And it's one of the first games as well where you get to see, like, the third year's risking everything on the opposite team and on our team because of course this is their last tournament and a lot of mm. third years didn't even come to this tournament because they were focusing on exams and things like that entrance exams for university so this is where you really start to see the level of risk that a lot of these students are taking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh shoot yeah this is where daichi gets daichi gets injured too, yeah isn't it? yeah okay thoughts when that was all happening I knew it was coming, but I didn't know who was going to get hurt. Because in typical sports anime fashion, especially during a big tournament that's going to decide everything, someone's got to get injured Mm -hmm. for a plot twist. But the fact that it was Daichi and how he got injured, I was like, oh no. Yeah. Oh, that's not good. And he was pretty badly injured as well. Like, he kept that mark on his face for episodes afterwards. Yeah, I don't think it went away until season, season four. four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really. I think. I think it's kind of foreshadowed when they say that this is going to be a game between the captains. Like this is going to be a game that determines who wins because it's going to be like a captain versus captain war. But it mm-hmm. also kind of makes you wonder about Hinata as well because they directly compare the captain of the opponent opposing team to the little giant who is obviously Hinata's hero. So I think. If, yeah, in hindsight, I think they're foreshadowing between the two people, but Daichi makes more sense. Yeah. 
And yeah, Yamaguchi is subbed in as an ace server, and he is able to get one float serve past the net, which we love because he also ha- he's had so much character development. Mm-hmm. We love that. We love to see that. We love to see character development. Mm-hmm. I love character development. It's my favorite thing. Yeah. So the match for Karasuno continues, and um, Seijo and Datatex match is also going on. Despite Daichi's absence, they keep working for it, they keep going, they're going, they're working. And Hinata starts incorporating new moves that he's le- he's learned during the Tokyo training camps to help with the game as well. I think Hinata, this is where Hinata starts like making, the- doing those little things that cause his team to like be like, huh? <laughs> What's up with you? Because up until this point, Hinata said things to them that they've kind of like brushed off. Like when he said, oh no, I can see the ball. And they're like, no, you can't. It's too fast. And he's like, no, but I can. And like, it took them a, a while to believe him. And I think this is where they start to really like see that his brain doesn't work the same way that everybody else does. And that he is no longer just relying on his physical ability to be able to play volleyball. And you see that only progress throughout the rest of the season so far. Mm-hmm. This is where we also see Seijo win as well. And this is where we get our rematch. And boy, oh boy, is it just a fucking tug on the heartstrings for the rest of the fucking season. Oh yeah. And even season three, it's all just a tug on the heartstrings because you're like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Especially considering this is Oikawa's last year. So again, like going back to that reference thing of like the third year's having so much more on the line to anybody else. Mm-hmm. This is a third year that you have been following since season one that you've had an emotional attachment to since season one that isn't on our team, that is facing our team, who has worked so hard and has all of this like vulnerability backing him because of his insecurities in his playing that has caused him to become a fantastic player that he is now, but like he still has that level of doubt backing him for all of those years. Mm-hmm. And it's Especially like, playing against Kageyama, yeah. of all people. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's such an intense game. Oh, it's so intense. Like, I was chomping at the bit to get through it, because it's just uh, so much. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, what do you remember when you think back on this game? What is the, the one thing that like stands out to you the most? Honestly, just after the game. Mm-hmm. Like, just seeing the reactions, especially of... Sejo's guys and just and especially the stare down between fucking Oikawa Kageyama and Oikawa yeah yeah Yeah, that like that's just the thing that stands out the most like everything else in between is just kind of a blur because there's so much happening and it's spread out over so many episodes Mm -hmm. it's a direct it's just how it ended yeah it's like a direct reflection of what happened in the first season Mm mm-hmm but, like, also, I remember watching it and I remember the thoughts going through my mind of thinking they had their shot during the first the first tournament of the year. Like, they won. Mm-hmm. They had their chance to go to nationals and they didn't make it. So mm-hmm. they've had their chance. I want our guys to have their chance. That That was my thought process through it. But, yeah, there was so much development that happened in this time, so much experience that happened for our guys that they gained... Yamaguchi getting subbed in again as a pinch server, getting all of that like extra experience under pressure, 
all of the boys getting all of the extra experiences of pressure, getting, you know, under the pressure, getting all of this helps set them up for the next game and then further on into season four, you know? Mm-hmm. But still, at the same time, just seeing how Oikawa got absolutely crushed by Ushiwaka. Yeah. Like, I kind of wanted to see, like, a full rematch between them instead of them getting absolutely slaughtered. Yeah. So, it's just, the whole time I was rooting for our boys, but I could just see them handing it back mm-hmm. to Alba Josai just because. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it makes you go, are they going to lose? <laughs> are they, are they really going to lose? Are they, uh, the whole because time. I could see them losing. Yeah. Like just in typical sports anime fashion. I could have seen it. I could have seen it too. hundred percent. I remember watching and it yeah, the first the time. The fact that our boys won, I was like, "Oh my god!" It's it's such a like yatta moment. Like I I remember. Like, oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, I remember the first time I watched it, and I remember being like, "No, they're not doing this. They're not doing. It. They're not going to make them lose because then our third years are gone." I was like, "That's that was my thought process. Was then our third years are gone? They can't make them lose. Or if they make them lose, then there has to be some kind of like like exception. There has to be someone that was like, "No, but we want you to go to nationals anyway." as uh because of your spirit or something like you win the most hearted like players and therefore you get a secret spot in nationals or something you know i remember thinking that just being like there has to be they have to go and then yet season three it's so much worse it's oh, it only gets worse from here only gets worse from here there is an ova between season two and season three which is the time of uh, Hinata and Kageyama when they're failing their grades and it goes into like the events surrounding them as well so if you haven't seen that check that out yeah and then so I'm sure you've gathered Tina turned the boys beat Alba Josai and that is how season two ends yeah and then season three they're getting ready to go face off against Ushiwaka yes and oh boy who beat Alba Josai in the previous tournament, and they were the ones to go to nationals. And they beat them in two sets. Yeah. So they swept them mm-hmm. with no issues. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah. And not only that, but this one match between Hinata and Ushiwaka lasts for the entire 10 episodes from episode one through episode 10. Mm-hmm. It's one game. Yes. But surprisingly, I. I know a lot of people would, I know you did when you first heard about it, even though you thought it was 25 episodes, but even if you'd had thought it was 10, I still feel like you would have felt like it was a lot. It doesn't drag out. It doesn't feel um, unnecessary. Because it breaks everything up with backstory Mm -hmm. and just giving a lot more insight into the players and how they're feeling through all this, but also a lot of helpful commentary from the crowd and whatnot. It's a lot of Good comic relief. Yes. And everything included. And up until this point as well, all of the games have been three sets, but this game is the best of fives. It's five sets. Um, And uh, that also helps to break up the game. The fifth set, I believe, is only 15 minutes, whereas the rest of the sets are 25, right? I think that's correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, and I don't know if that's accurate, like, fully pull players out there will have to let me know if that's kind of accurate in professional level games, because that's what they were saying, like, up until this point, they had done three sets, because that's kind of more, like, junior play, and then once you get up to the finals, and then going into nationals, they step it up to professional level play. Mm-hmm. So, introductions are made between the two teams, just starting off with, 
and we're going to be playing against a left-handed ace, which is unusual, obviously, because it's not often that anybody goes up against a southpaw in general. So it means that like all of the blocking, all of the receiving, all of the defense and everything is going to be different. The bounces of the ball is going to be different. The rotation of the ball is going to be different. And they haven't so far even practiced against a southpaw. So adds that extra level of what the fuck are we doing? Yeah, not only that, but as it introduces all the other people on Ushiwaka's team, it's like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Yeah, because up until this point, you kind of think that he's carrying the team and that nobody else can really back him. And yet at the same time, for the first set, it makes you think that too, because he scores half of the total points in the first set. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, Karasuno ends up losing the first set 25 to 16. Which, honestly, better than I thought the first set was going to go. I said by minutes, didn't I, previously, 25 to 15. I meant points. Yeah. (laughs) Not minutes. Correction. I stand corrected. But yeah, honestly, I expected that first set to be like 25 and 8. Like, I just expected Ushiwaka and them to just absolutely slaughter. Yes. Yeah, I feel like our boys did pretty well for getting adjusted to the new kind of stuff. But you do see them mentally drained throughout this. And I think that's the thing, is that this game is such a mental battle more than it is a physical battle yeah it was every other game was like playing checkers and this one was playing chess it was one of those Mm -hmm. type of scenarios especially considering the redheads blocking i can't remember his name um i can't either lizard man lizard man (laughs) yeah his because that's that's what they kept calling him so might as well stick with it tendo ten tendo Tendo sounds right. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, he is a very interesting character. He's one of the first characters in this show up until this point that I feel like is very anime. Because mm-hmm. you oh, you yeah. get those every now and again. You know, there's um the clown from Hunter x Hunter. There's like, you know, those, those characters that are really f- that much more on the extreme side where you like, you think anime and you think, oh my God, those people. Are... And like, but... Haikyuu has been pretty tame, ordinary people up until this point. He is one of those ones where it's like, okay, yeah, this feels anime. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Mm. And also, with season three, we gotta we gotta talk about that OP for a minute. Because, oh my god. So good. Mm-hmm. It is the Haikyuu OP. Yeah. I actually so good. really like how they consistently use the same band. I don't know if they did in season four, though, but I believe they did all through up until season three. I think season four, they might have used the same band, although, at least for the first OP, however, I will say, out of all the OPs and EDs, season three and the first OP for season four are probably my favorites. I really like Fly High. I can't remember which one that one is, though, but I remember, like, seeing that and really liking it. I think the band's called, like, Burnout Syndrome, something like that, Burnout, So, funny... Funny story with that one. Does mm-hmm. that sound familiar to you at all? I don't know. We've watched it? another show that's used that band. Have does, we? Does it ring a bell? No. What was your anime of the year for 2020? Oh, God, you're asking me to remember? Um, What? Uh, My anime of the year was uh-huh. uh, Dr. Stone, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Did they use the same band? Uh-huh. The first OP, The Good Morning World. That's why I liked it. So, yeah, there you go. No, I really like them in general. And I'm not a, you you know I'm not a big OP person or ED person. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember. But yeah, that would explain why. Yeah. I like this band a lot. 
I I I've liked every OP that they've done. Some of them I'd like more than others, but yeah, I think they're, I think they're really good. And I like yeah, that. One they thing about of... the Haikyuu, the OPs were typically consistently good, except for the last OP for season four. I'm not a fan of. I don't think I'm a, the biggest fan of that one as well. But yeah, I find them consistently good. In the first season, I found them like they weren't a detriment, they weren't a positive. In the second season, they turned into a positive. In the third season, absolutely a positive. And uh, in the fourth season, I'm kind of un- undetermined right now and how I feel about whether or not they're a negative or like either a not a negative, but like a they don't change anything or a positive. The first one is a massive positive. The second one is kind of meh. Mm-hmm. So it's barely a positive, mm-hmm. but EDs were consistently very bleh throughout the show. Yeah, I don't, f- I don't really feel like the EDs are. Yeah, they're not memorable to me, and they're not for me either, which is why they're very bleh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I really did like the OPs. I like how they kind of keep the animation pretty simple on them as well. Uh-huh. I don't know, but I really like the stills that they use of Hinata when he's looking really cool. I don't know. I like mm-hmm. those because they've done that consistently as well. And they actually use very similar stills or even the same stills on like their advertising posters mm-hmm. for the team, which is cool. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so more sports stuff happens. <laughs> Shock. Uh, second set. Hinata and them finally win one. Yeah. I think in overtime too. Yeah. Or is this one 25-23 and then the third and fourth one they went into overtime? I think it's something like that where they're both going into a deuce and, and it's um, scary. But <laughs> Yeah, uh, like literally. I, so what I expected out of this was like a typical trope of, okay, so they would lose the first two sets and then they would have to fight their way back through three straight sets and win. Mm-hmm. Even though the whole time in the back of my mind, I was like, they're going to fucking lose. Gonna they're going to choke. It's going to get to the last set and they're going to choke. Yeah. Yeah, I was really surprised the first time as someone who doesn't know much about volleyball. I was really surprised the first time to find out the fifth set is only to 15 points. I was I like, mean, oh my God. I can understand gosh. why, because they would be so worn out awesome. at that yeah. point. But then can we just talk about the pacing on that fifth set? My God. Yeah. Like, just, oh, just, episode seven, eight, nine, and ten were the last set. Oh, yeah. So four episodes consisted of one set. And it was just, oh, my heart was in my fucking throat. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's terrifying. And this is also where we start to see the involvement of audience participation and um, environment of playing actually having a, an impact on our team. Mm-hmm. Or just in general, because Ushiwaka and them, like, they had their entire side filled up. Mm-hmm. But yet, Kurasano had, like, all the students came. They didn't fill up nearly as much as Ushiwaka and them, because I can't remember what fucking school they're from, but it's basically just the Ushiwaka show. Anyway, <laughs> so... But it was cool just to see how it helped morale on both sides, but especially with Kurosano. Yeah, Shiratorizawa is the school. Ah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's still the Ushiwaka show. Mm-hmm. Um, but that only becomes more prominent going into the next season. I I said I was going to give you a spoiler warning for season three, but I didn't. Oops. 
Gomenasai. I do feel like I did say now going into season three. I don't know, though. Yeah, it, it's close enough. We haven't really spoiled anything yet. You kind of have. Technically. But, yeah, I mean, okay. we've only spoiled the first two sets, so it's fine. Yeah. Because none of the big moments have really happened yet. Mm-hmm. The um, third set is where shit derails. Yeah. So... Oh, one thing I did want to say about the end of season two was they finally get recognition from their school and they get that banner down the side of the building being like, or is that this time or is it? Yeah, no, it's getting to the finals that they get get the banner. Yeah, they get the banner at the end of season two because everybody's like, ah, oh, you can do it. Yeah, you do it. Uh. Yeah, and that was really nice to see. And seeing their uh, side fill up with more and more people because like up until this point, not even their parents have come to their games. It's just been like the two guys who helped the co- like the coaches peers. Yeah, it's like the local rec league. Yeah, but only and two then guys. That of one them. dude, like that one old man who used to go to their games since like back in the day, and just as a, a yeah. supporter of the team, but like doesn't even know the boys really. Nope. And then, but yeah, it's like it's nice. Then to I see. still don't think we've seen Hinata's parents or Kageyama's parents throughout the whole thing. You see everyone else's family, yeah. but I think the closest thing you see to family for Hinata is his little sister. Yeah, uh, Natsu. Yeah, but Kageyama don't see his family. Yeah, no, Hinata don't see the parents. <laughs> they they don't have family. Um. <laughs> I mean, hey, show, <laughs> fucking shonen antagonist. If you want to be a shonen protagonist, you got to lose your parents. Oh, episode two is dedicated to Kazunari Tanaka, who passed away in 2016, who is a voice actor, a Japanese voice Aww. actor. That's cool. I like that they've, That's they've sweet. dedicated that. Who did, yeah. Who did he voice? Keishin. Oh. Hmm. Well, it's nice they did that dedication. I like that. Yeah, it is very nice. Yeah. Uh, cool. I got distracted, and now I lost my episode list. Get back. Uh, I don't know. We're kind of flying all over the place. We are flying all over the place. Season three. All over the place. Okay. <coughs> but we're on the third set, regardless. We, we talked about the, the first two. Set. Uh... All right, but the third set is where tragedy strikes again. Tragedy strikes again. Yes, a barrage of powerful spikes. That's what's happening, right? I don't know. Where am I? Yeah, a barrage of powerful spikes are going through, and it ends up dislocating and splitting open Tsukushima's hand. Yes, yeah. This is a, the second injury that we've seen in sport. I think it's his little finger that gets dislocated. And yeah, it dislocates his pinky finger and then splits right in between the two fingers. Yeah, it's not a nice injury, and he was actually doing really well up until this point at uh, starting to learn how to block Ushijima's um, spikes. And mm-hmm. so it was like a huge like detriment to the team because he was the one who was kind of getting them up in the air, at least, for them to be able to be controlled. Mm-hmm. And then not only that, but that also put Karasuno at like one point from losing the set as well. Yes. So he got injured at a very detrimental time. And it also obviously affected team's morale because they've now had two players injured in a very short succession. Because this is the mm-hmm. next day from the game that they had just won. And um, so uh, Daichi, their captain, is still got a big bruise on his face from almost having his teeth knocked out the previous day. He did have a tooth a knocked, tooth knocked out. out. Yeah. Um, and now, so you know he's got to be in a metric ton of pain. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly don't know how he's like fine the next day. Having my wisdom teeth removed, I was down for the count for a while. Having a tooth knocked out, I don't think I would be like cool to play a 
sport the next day. No, I don't think you would be allowed to play a sport the next day. No. Only in anime would you be allowed to do that. Mm Because they're like, oh, the bleeding stopped? Okay, you can keep playing. You can keep playing. I'm like, nah, thanks. I want to be in bed eating mashed potatoes with fucking ice attached to my head and probably a bunch of stitches in my mouth. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways, he goes to get healed up and the rest of the team are kind of left to handle what's going on. And so I think they summon, what, Sugawara in his place? I think so, yeah. And then, so they end up losing that set, and then set number four, they end up taking back. Like, they flew through set number four. They really did. If I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. But- Yeah, so they flew through it. Tsukishima comes back in the end of season season four, of set four, I think. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of what brings them- Back in on that one. Or no, it's at the ass end of set five. Right. I think, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I'm yeah, jumping so on set four, they managed to will their way through. Mm-hmm. And they get through it. And then set five starts on episode seven and goes all the way through episode 10. Yes. And we can also start seeing that their fatigue is really kicking in now. Not just on their mm-hmm. side, but on the opposing side as well. You're starting to see that the players are, are getting exhausted. Mm-hmm. And then, so at the very start of the fifth set, Kageyama gets benched. Yes. And he gets replaced with fucking Sugawara, I think. Is that right? Yes. Okay, so he gets replaced with Sugawara, so that way Kageyama can rest, because he is fucking up his sets, he's just not in his right mind. So they sit him down so he can rest and recuperate for a little bit, and hopefully they can hold off throughout the rest of the set. And Satori is now kind of predicting, uh, he's the the creepy ginger dude, though, he's predicting um, Sugawara's moves, though, because Sugawara, Sugawara, although he's got like all of this experience and he's worked really hard he doesn't have that level of like genius that kageyama has and Mm -hmm. uh and so his moves are fairly predictable because they are so bound in his like like foundation of sports Mm -hmm. knowledge right and yet it's still a relatively close set Mm -hmm. until ushiwaka comes up to serve and not only does he come up to serve but this man scores eight points straight on a 15-point set. Yeah, that was a hot in-throat moment. Uh, Yeah, for basically one whole episode, they get absolutely fucking slaughtered by Ushiwaka's serving. Yes. Like, that was wild to sit back and watch where it's like, oh no, oh no, they're really going through with this. Oh god. Mm-hmm. But uh, Kageyama is soon switched back in, and they manage to jump on those quick synchro attacks. The the duo like they they're back on their game, kind of thing. They're back to who yeah they are. But Hinata is switched out to be placed with Yamaguchi, who then is like because he's the the um, pinch server. Pinch server. Thank you very much. And Yamaguchi gets a redemption arc. Yeah, we love that. Especially yeah, considering he that he fucked up in the Alba Josai game. Yeah, uh, but like the big thing for him is that um, he cracks under pressure, and this was a heck mm. of a lot of pressure. And you start to see him like re- relying on his muscle memory and mm-hmm. practicing his um, calming down techniques. And because of that, he actually manages to take back a few of those eight points mm. that they got absolutely fucking slaughtered on. Yes, yeah. 
And so the game kind of starts to slowly get back, you know, a little bit in Karasuno's favor until Ushiwaka gets back up to the front. And I think it gets it down to like a 12-14 deficit. Yeah. And then Tsukushima comes back. Yay! Yeah. Comes back at the very end to save the day. And everyone is shocked. And Ushiwaka's like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, so we end up at a, a, at a deuce, 14-14. Tension's beginning to rise. But yeah, he's back from the infirmary. And they're ready to play again. Which is, I mean, it's kind of like, I feel like it's kind of cliche to have them back at a deuce again. But is also like fitting for our team because they kind of always find themselves mm-hmm. at last set, you know, either like at a deuce, like working to figure out what they're to, to, yeah, to fight until they can't anymore. Well, not only that, but so for the Alba Josai set in the tournament, they had the first set was 26, 24. The second set was 25, 23. And the second set was 28, 26. Mm-hmm. So they deuced twice and almost deuced a third time. Yeah. Whereas in this game, whenever they're up against uh, Shiro Toizawa, this is the third time that they've deuced. Yes. So it just kind of, it makes sense that they're like doing everything they can to hang. Yeah. It's not like they're just really and truly better than their opponent, but they're hanging in there. Like they're a true underdog team. Mm Mm-hmm. And so then finally, with Tsukushima back, both teams have now run out of their timeouts. And the next time they step off the court, one of them will be the victor. In episode 10. Yeah. <laughs> and needless to say, your heart's in your throat the whole time the whole during time. the deuce. Yeah, it's really an intense moment. But mm-hmm. it, I don't know. I think they do it so well. Oh, they do. Like you... It's just such a tug of war. You never know who's going to win. And the back of your mind is kind of implanted there that Shiratori Zala is going to end up taking it just because that's the way that they've been built. Mm -hmm. But then that last volley, like that last rally of what was going on was just something to behold. Like every team fought tooth and nail for who was going to hold control on it and Oh boy. And kind of like the the level of like Ushijima admitting his vulnerability with his like him, him reaching his limit as well mm-hmm. was it kind of made him so much more human because up until this point up until this game he's been seen as this unstoppable force. Mm-hmm. And this is where you kind of get to see him like no he is still a high schooler. He's like a really good player and he's amazing and he's done all this work and stuff. But like he he has a limit too. Mm-hmm. And his teammate called him on it too. Yeah. He's like, so do you still want me to set to you even if you're like even if you can't spike anymore? Mm-hmm. And you finally get to see Ushiwaka kind of crack on that last rally too. Mm-hmm. Because if they had said it to anyone else, they probably would have won the game. Yeah. But Ushiwaka let his pride get in the way and he's like, it's mine. Yeah. Give it to me. Yeah. And then you see a synchronized attack with Hinata in the back and they just slap him. Yeah. Yeah. And so we win. Yeah. It was, I was an emotional wreck, man. Yes. Like, I could not believe it. Everyone was crying. I was crying. It was a good time. It was... I don't know, it was such a fulfilling moment. I think that's honestly why why when season four came about, I wasn't so bothered about watching it after 
waiting like however long, two and a half years or whatever between three them. and a half years, three and a half years. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. it's such a satisfying ending that you're like. I mean, it was like it could have ended there, yeah. and everything would have been fine. In fact, the fact that they swapped directors, it almost. It could almost make sense because of how the show ended. Yeah, obviously. Just because of... Obviously, you do want to see... Like, there are, like, little things that do tease you for the future, like the Battle of the Garbage Dump and, and, you know, things like that are those teasers that are laid out for you to get excited for the next season. But the ending of this season is so much more satisfying than any of the seasons prior to this Mm -hmm. that... I'm okay with the fact that they had such a long wait, and I I don't know if, like, I, I let me know out there if you watched up to season three when it first came out, and, like, if you jumped on season four as soon as it happened, or if you were more like me and you were like, I'll get to it, because, yeah, I feel like it was such a satisfying ending that I wasn't immediately bothered about watching season four right away, because I remember being, like, complete. I didn't have that urge to consume more content but now obviously i've watched season four and i have that urge back of wanting to consume more content (laughs) so you know have to wait but yeah i don't know it was such a satisfying ending such a happy ending but i mean i'm super excited they did make more and i'm glad that they did make more and i'm glad that i watched season four and i'm excited for us to dive into season four in the future but they were bastards for that cliffhanger that they left season three on oh my god yeah Because at the very end, they're all in the gym practicing, and the counselor, club advisor, comes running in. And he's like, Kageyama, you've been selected for the All Japan thing. Yes, an All Japan thing. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like the All Japan team is what Ushiwaka's part of. Yes. So... Kageyama is the only one that got selected to go to that training camp, and then it ends. And you're like, well, motherfucker. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it was uh, such an ending, man. It is such an ending, and it's, I don't know, season four, in my opinion, I, I I feel like it continues on the train of being really, really good. Season, I feel like season one through three can kind of be categorized separately to season four, and I do feel like that is heavily to do with the fact that they change directors. So I'm keeping my mind open for season five, which mm-hmm. I hope is coming soon. <laughs> Even though we did just get season four, but like, please, thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I feel like, yeah, I feel like you can kind of put a full stop at the end of season three, and then I feel like it's a good thing to look at season four with different eyes. Yeah. Season four is like a reboot. That's a good way to look at it just because director change, art style change. So it kind of makes sense. But I think that's another reason why I kind of backed off of season four until we actually finish this episode. So I wouldn't be kind of tainted mm-hmm. with my review on it. Because I can fully sit down and say seasons two and three. Season two, I could probably give like a nine, and season three, Mm -hmm. I could give a nine and a half and not feel Mm -hmm. bad about those grades. Because then if I start incorporating season four, I'm like, well, let's drop a few points. Yeah, season four was made under really difficult circumstances, obviously, with the beginning of COVID and them having to like worry about working from home. And like, I do have a level of leniency with season four that I don't have with season one through three, but I also don't feel like season four has. I don't know. I, I'm excited for season five because I'm finding it hard to to review season four without more. And that sounds silly, but because there's three seasons of the way that it is to start with, 
I feel like it's imbalanced mm-hmm. right now. Oh yeah, I can mm-hmm. I can see where you're coming from. But yeah, but I'm excited to finish the show just to see where it's going. Yeah, I as well. don't know whether or not season four has grabbed my attention as much as seasons one through three. I feel like my ADHD was kind of a little bit more active during season four. Um, like I got distracted more than I did through seasons one through three, where I completely hyper focused on them. But do you think that could be too? Because we kind of made the conscious decision to lump three in as well before we knew there was no yeah. way that we would get to it. I don't know. I kind of want to watch season four again. I don't. And, I don't know either. You know, maybe watch it like away from the other three. Mm-hmm. Which we'll get that opportunity because I think I'm going to schedule it in for like yeah. June or July or something like that. Because at this point, I have us booked mm-hmm. out all the way through May. I think, mm-hmm. and halfway through June. So we'll get to review it in the summer at some point. So I'm looking forward to kind of looking at it with fresh eyes, too, to where maybe I'll forget about the animation difference and just appreciate season mm-hmm. four for what it is. But I'll have more thoughts on season four by the time we sit down and record next yeah. week's episode. But yeah, two and three, what do you rate it? I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm in that nine, nine and a half vibe for both of them i think that's consistent for me from first season to third season i'm gonna rank all three of them a solid nine together lumped together yeah because first season gets a nine second season gets a nine third season nine and a half so average is out to a nine yeah. yeah but it was just it's just enjoyable this whole lump was fun i'm very glad we decided to sit down and just discuss it because it's been it's been a fun ride i've enjoyed every bit of it up to this point the ops have been fun the eds are kind of meh and i feel like that's the only reason i can't rate it any higher than a nine it's just because it wasn't a complete package Mm -hmm. and one thing i will say is that the music throughout the show isn't necessarily great either yeah a lot of it is just I um i think there's a lot of piano tracks in the back mm -hmm. oh it's yeah it's it's there See, I don't recall it, though. Like, I know there's got to be something there, because if it was just bland, then it would be noticeable, but... You don't really have that, like, Demon Slayer stands out. Like, it doesn't... Yeah, or you're lying April to where the background music enhances everything going mm-hmm. on, to where this one, it just doesn't have that. Even comparing it to, like, Kurokonobasuke, where the background music was at least noticeable. Mm-hmm. And it kind of added to it in a mm-hmm. way. Although it does date it now, but at the time I'm sure it was very yeah. cool. And then Cheer Boys with a dubstep, because why the fuck not? <laughs> why not? Yeah, no, I see what you mean. But yeah, it was a fun ride. I'm looking forward to finishing season four. I'm not looking forward to episode 15, but you know, we'll, we'll get there. The we'll, episode's we'll still good. <laughs> I think it's just the animation that throws me off a little bit. Nah, but I'm looking forward to finishing yeah. it. I'm looking forward to covering yeah. it, because it's been... Haiku's been fun. I want chibi plushies of the whole team. I just want a chibi plushie of fucking fat crow Hinata. <laughs> I need that, please and thank yeah. you. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's, oh uh, yeah, I need it. I need it so much. Just give it to me. I'll pay 20 or 30 bucks. Just give it to me, please and yes. thanks. Check Etsy. They might have some. Probably. Yeah. And that's probably what it'll cost too, is 20 or 30 mm. bucks. Okay. So I think that about wraps this up. Haha, <laughs> I stole your ending. So plugs? I jerk. <laughs> Just as long as you don't say so plugs, so then I, plugs. I guess. Because I feel like that's the only way I know how to transition mm. into that. It's just to questioningly ask. Ask? Do we ask? Let's do it. It's like, do, do, do I have your permission? You have my permission. Let's plug. So you can find the absolutely lovely Blue Lavender on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Blue Lavender. She doesn't stream, but hey, give her a follow and hit that bell thingy so that way you can know if she ever does decide to stream Yeah, again. maybe one day. She also has an 
Yeah, she also has an Instagram and Twitter where you can get stream updates, but Instagram specifically because you can get art updates. Yeah, oh, speaking of which, day of recording, it's Tilly's birthday. (gasps) Happy birthday, Bean! Yeah, she's officially two years old. Oh, Bean is adorable. Mm -hmm. I love Bean. And speaking of Bean, (laughs) Bean also has an Instagram at the best Tilly Bean. Yeah, yeah, my best Bean. And Brad, that's the other person who's with me. If you don't know him, that's who he is. Uh, Hi, I'm Brad. He does stream. (laughs) He streams lots on Twitch at Brad Carter Gaming. So if you like streams, video games, talks of random things, crazy voices, because he does more voices on there. Go check him out. Um, You're not wrong. uh, (laughs) uh, Go drop him a follow and tell him I sent you. Ha ha. Um... Why not? <laughs> right? Sure. Why not? If if that's how you want to find it, please, by yeah. all means, go Just for be it. Like, hey, I'm here from the podcast. Um, yeah. Surprise. surprise. Blue sent me. Uh huh. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he also runs our Instagram and Twitter for our podcast. So if you like the memes that we were speaking about previously, you can check those out on pretty much all of the social medias at BNB Anime. We're BNB Anime on everything. So if you're interested, go uh, check us out on the socials. We also have a YouTube channel where we have all of our previously archived episodes on our channel. So you can go back and listen to the ones that we were previously referring to. If there's an anime that you want us to cover um, and you're not sure if we've already covered it, you can check that out on the YouTube channel or on our handy dandy website where we have all of our previously archived episodes, along with the downloadable platforms to wherever you want to find them. If you want them on your phone or whatever, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, that kind of stuff, all linked on the website. Also has some background information on both Brad and I, pictures of our faces, so if you want to match a face to the name, some friends of the podcast, some stuff about our art and voice acting projects that we've both been working on, uh, all that kind of stuff is on the website, so be sure to check that out at www.bnbanime.com. That everything? everything. So, thank you all so much for listening. Blue and I greatly appreciate it. Next week kicks off Blue's Month of Hell. <laughs> Well, partially month of hell, because as everyone that has listened to this long enough knows, your boy is a helpless romantic. I do love my rom-coms. And I've scheduled a couple for the month of February, because February tis the month of love, so why not? And I am not. (laughs) Blue is the Grinch of rom-coms. I'm the Grinch of Cringe. Yeah. Well, get ready, because there's actually not, with the ones that I've scheduled, there's not going to be a lot of cringe. They more lean towards, well, Kaguya-sama, which is what we're covering next week, is more comedy than it Mm -hmm. is rom-com. Because have I told you the premise of this show? No, you haven't. So the president and vice president of the student council both like one another. But instead of, you know, even contemplating the idea of confessing to one another, they're going to make each other confess to the other. Oh. And so that's the entire premise. So it's all comedy. The secretary and treasurer just make for good supporting characters for the show. It's a blast. I'm excited for you to watch and laugh because this is, this show has made me laugh probably about as much as Tonica did. Oh. But again, that's, you just know me. I love rom-coms, so I've found it a great time, but I think you'll enjoy it too. Maybe not as much as me. But then Tony Kawa, which I have scheduled for next week, is 
romance with a little bit of comedy mixed in, but none of it's really cringy, surprisingly. Okay. Because you know me, if something's really cringy, I'm not finishing that shit. Yeah. But I, it's hands down probably my favorite rom-com that I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to both of them and more stuff because February is going to be fun. I've got some fun stuff scheduled. Yeah. And I'll be back next week without a migraine, hopefully. So I'll be able to remember facts and timelines and stuff. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Gabate. Feel better. Yeah. I will do my best too. But until then, we'll catch y'all next time. Bye-bye. Bye.